Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, celebrating 50 years of sharing God's unconditional love and grace. Welcome to the Gospel Truth broadcast. Welcome to a very special edition of the Gospel Truth. You are three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Healing is a part of the atonement of Christ. God wants you well. How can you doubt that you'll get it if you've already got it? You're already blessed. Everything that Jesus came to do, the power for it is released through the gospel, the good news, the nearly too good to be true news. Welcome to our Monday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today is the beginning of my third week teaching on a, a subject that I've got a new book out on, Who Told You That You Were Naked? This is actually a study on the conscience, and I've already spent two weeks dealing with this. Right before I get back into today's teaching, let me just explain once again that we are in transition moving from Colorado Springs up to Woodland Park. We have a new 60,000 square foot building that we acquired last year. We're doing a $2.2 million renovation on it and we are moving into there. And so anyway, I don't have a set at the moment. So we're in our lodge that's at the sanctuary, our Karis Bible College uh, campus in Woodland Park. And I'll be here for another few weeks, I think. But we are getting things done and praise God, it's awesome what God is doing. Real quickly, let me just go back and say that uh, this teaching, Who Told You That You Were Naked? That is an exact quote from Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. And God the Father asked Adam, Who told you that you were naked? The very fact that he asked means that he didn't tell him that. The devil didn't tell him that. It was his conscience. And so what I've been doing is showing that many of us think that when we feel so guilty and so unworthy and we've done something wrong and we have this sense of remorse and shame and things like this, we just automatically blame that on God. We believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that is convicting us and making us feel so badly. And I've been sharing that, no, it's our conscience. God gave a conscience through that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and it serves a purpose. It's not pleasant to feel guilty and condemned and unworthy, but there is a benefit to it. First of all, before we get born again, we have to come to a realization that we are a sinner and that we need God's forgiveness. A person who doesn't realize that they're a sinner and somehow or another they've compared themselves with other people and think, I'm surely good and God's gonna accept me because I'm such a good person. That's deception, and you've got to bring them out of that deception, and this is why God gave the law. The law made our conscience come back to a proper standard, and I've shared a lot of these scriptures. I'm just summarizing the things that I've been saying over the last two weeks, that the law condemned us. It made us guilty before God. It gave us knowledge of sin. It strengthened sin in our life. It brought death and condemnation. I've talked about all of these things. Now, those aren't pleasant things, but they are things that are necessary for us to come to the end of ourself and find the beginning of God. And that's what we've been talking about. And even for a Christian, there is still a proper use of the law. We need to reject the guilt and the condemnation because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. So we shouldn't be condemned. We have been forgiven of all of our sins, past, present, and even future sins. 
I know that may come as a total shock to some people. I'm going to explain that in my teaching this week. But we have been forgiven of our sins. We shouldn't live under a sin consciousness anymore, but we still should have a sensitive conscience. The Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 23 that he lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. In chapter 24, I believe it's verse 16, he says, I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense. Now, I'm going to talk about this more in, uh, as we go through this series, but we need to learn how to purge our conscience. Let me just read four verses. I read these last Friday, and I didn't get into explaining. I want to go into explaining it, but real quickly, in Hebrews chapter 9 and in verse 9, he says that the Old Testament sacrifices were a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. In other words, it's highlighting one of the deficiencies of the Old Testament law, and that is it couldn't purge your conscience. In verse 14, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So, the contrast, the Old Testament, it could put your sins under the blood and it could keep Satan at bay because in a sense, God paid for your sins on credit, knowing that Jesus would come to make the atonement, but it couldn't purge your conscience. It could, it could deal with the devil. It could cleanse you and it could, there was good things that happened through the Old Testament law, but when it came to the conscience, it couldn't deal with it. But the New Testament, blood of the Lord Jesus, PURGED YOUR CONSCIENCE FROM DEAD WORKS TO SERVE THE LIVING GOD. THE RESULTS OF THAT IN CHAPTER 10, VERSE 2, IT SAYS THAT WE SHOULD HAVE NO MORE CONSCIENCE OF SIN. THIS IS NOT SAYING THAT WE SHOULDN'T BE CONSCIOUS OF SIN. WE SHOULD BE CONSCIOUS WHEN WE HAVE FAILED TO DO THE THINGS THAT WE SHOULD OR WHEN WE'VE DONE SOMETHING WRONG, BUT WE SHOULDN'T HAVE SIN CONSCIENCE. WE SHOULDN'T BE CONDEMNED OVER OUR SIN. AND THEN IN VERSE 22, IT SAYS, LET US DRAW NEAR WITH A TRUE HEART IN FULL ASSURANCE OF FAITH, HAVING OUR HEARTS SPRINKLED FROM AN EVIL CONSCIENCE AND OUR BODIES WASHED WITH PURE WATER. THIS IS TALKING ABOUT THAT WHEN YOU ENTER INTO THE VERY PRESENCE OF GOD, YOU DO NOT NEED TO HAVE A SIN CONSCIENCE. YOU DON'T NEED TO HAVE YOUR CONSCIENCE CONDEMNING YOU AND MAKING YOU FEEL UNWORTHY. YOU KNOW, I HAVE PEOPLE ALL OF THE TIME THAT I HEAR PRAY AND THEY SAY, OH GOD, WE JUST COME BEFORE YOU AND WE'RE SO UNWORTHY AND OH GOD, WE DON'T DESERVE ANYTHING. AND YOU KNOW, THERE'S A TRUTH AND THAT IS THAT NONE OF US RECEIVE FROM GOD BECAUSE WE DESERVE IT. AND SO THAT'S TRUE. BUT TO COME IN JUST MAGNIFYING OUR UNGODLINESS AND STUFF IS A FUNCTION OF AN EVIL CONSCIENCE. GOD DOESN'T WANT YOU TO MAGNIFY ALL OF YOUR SIN AND UNWORTHINESS. YOU KNOW, I HEARD KENNETH COPELAND SAY THIS ONE TIME, AND HE SAID THAT IF YOU FEEL LIKE A LITTLE gnat ON THE BACK OF AN ELEPHANT WHEN YOU COME BEFORE GOD, in, IN RELATION TO GOD AND HOW AWESOME AND MIGHTY HE IS, YOU ARE SO INSIGNIFICANT, YOU ARE NOTHING AND NOBODY. HE SAYS, THEN INSTEAD, IF THAT'S THE WAY YOU FEEL, INSTEAD OF TALKING ABOUT YOUR SMALLNESS, TALK ABOUT HIS GREAT BIGNESS. HIS GOODNESS THAT SOMEBODY AS INFINITE AND AWESOME AS HIM WOULD LOVE AND ACKNOWLEDGE SOMEONE LIKE YOU. NOW, SOME PEOPLE MAY SAY, BUT YOU'RE STILL ACKNOWLEDGING THE SAME THING, BUT IT'S THE EMPHASIS. IF YOU ARE CONSTANTLY EMPHASIZING YOUR UNWORTHINESS, YOUR CONSCIENCE 
HASN'T BEEN CLEANSED. YOU OUGHT TO COME AND IT'S NOTHING WRONG WITH SAYING, GOD, IT'S NOT BECAUSE OF MYSELF. IT'S NOT BECAUSE I AM LOVELY, BUT BECAUSE YOU ARE LOVE, THAT YOU LOVE ME. AND YOU CAN ACKNOWLEDGE THAT. I THINK IT'S EVEN BENEFICIAL AND HELPFUL TO ACKNOWLEDGE THAT IT'S THE GRACE OF GOD THAT HAS CAUSED ALL OF HIS BENEFITS TO COME TOWARDS YOU. BUT ONCE YOU ACKNOWLEDGE IT, MAN, GO TO PRAISING HIM FOR HOW AWESOME AND HOW GREAT AND HOW GOOD HE IS INSTEAD OF MAGNIFYING YOUR UNWORTHINESS. YOU KNOW, IF YOU'VE BEEN TAUGHT THAT WAY, IF THIS IS THE WAY THAT YOU APPROACH GOD, LIKE, FOR INSTANCE, IN THE OLD TESTAMENT, IT SAYS, COME INTO HIS PRESENCE WITH THANKSGIVING AND INTO HIS COURTS WITH PRAISE. BE THANKFUL UNTO HIM AND BLESS HIS NAME, FOR THE LORD IS GOOD AND HIS MERCY ENDURETH FOREVER. THAT'S THE WAY WE'RE COMMANDED TO COME INTO HIS PRESENCE. BUT MOST PEOPLE COME INTO HIS PRESENCE SAYING, OH, GOD, WE'RE SO UNWORTHY AND WE DON'T DESERVE ANYTHING. AND THEY AREN'T MAGNIFYING THE LORD. THEY'RE MAGNIFYING THEIR UNWORTHINESS. IF YOU DO THAT, AND IF THAT'S THE WAY THAT YOU APPROACH GOD, NO WONDER YOU DON'T ENJOY PRAYING. NO WONDER YOU DON'T ENJOY SPENDING TIME IN THE PRESENCE OF GOD BECAUSE YOU JUST MAGNIFY, YOU AMPLIFY YOUR UNWORTHINESS, AND IT JUST MAKES YOU FEEL UNGODLY AND UNDONE ALL OF THE TIME. YOU KNOW, IF I WAS YOUR FRIEND, AND IF EVERY TIME YOU CAME AROUND ME, YOU GOT TO SAY, ANDREW, I KNOW THAT I HAVEN'T DONE RIGHT, I HADN'T TREATED YOU RIGHT. NO, YOU'VE DONE THIS, BUT but I HAVEN'T DESERVED IT. AND IF EVERY TIME YOU GOT AROUND ME, YOUR SIN WAS JUST AMPLIFIED. AND IF YOU THOUGHT THAT EVERY TIME I GOT AROUND YOU, I WAS GOING TO BE POINTING OUT EVERYTHING THAT YOU DID WRONG. YOU MIGHT DO 99 THINGS RIGHT, BUT IF YOU DO ONE THING WRONG, I'M NOT GOING TO GIVE YOU A COMPLIMENT. I'M JUST GOING TO POINT OUT WHAT YOU'VE DONE WRONG. YOU KNOW, EVEN IF SOMEHOW OR ANOTHER YOU STILL LIKE ME, EVEN IF SOMEHOW OR ANOTHER YOU WANTED TO BE AROUND ME, YOU WOULD NOT ENJOY IT, AND EVENTUALLY YOU WOULD QUIT COMING AROUND ME IF EVERY TIME WE GOT TOGETHER, IT JUST MAGNIFIED AND AMPLIFIED YOUR SIN, YOUR FAILURES, EVERYTHING THAT WAS WRONG. YOU WOULDN'T LIKE BEING AROUND PEOPLE LIKE THAT. WELL, YOU KNOW, SAD TO SAY, THAT'S THE WAY PEOPLE ARE WITH GOD, AND IT'S A WRONG UNDERSTANDING. GOD IS NOT THE ONE WHO IS CONDEMNING YOU. GOD IS NOT THE ONE. HE'S he's THE ONE WHO SAID, WHO TOLD YOU THAT YOU WERE NAKED? WHO TOLD YOU TO BE ASHAMED? ADAM, WHO TOLD YOU TO BE AFRAID AND TO SOW FIG LEAVES? IT WASN'T GOD. GOD DID NOT SHUN THEM. GOD WANTED THEM TO RUN TO HIM, BUT INSTEAD THEY RAN FROM HIM BECAUSE THEIR CONSCIENCE CONDEMNED THEM. SO LET ME GO BACK TO HEBREWS CHAPTER 9, AND LET ME JUST GO THROUGH AND SHOW YOU HOW YOU BEGIN TO DEAL WITH THIS CONSCIENCE THAT HAS BEEN ACTIVATED and um, BY THE LAW AND HAS BEEN CONDEMNING YOU. SO IN HEBREWS CHAPTER 8 AND CHAPTER 9... REALLY, I WISH I HAD TIME TO DO THE WHOLE BOOK OF HEBREWS. I DON'T. BUT THIS IS A POWERFUL, POWERFUL BOOK. IN HEBREWS CHAPTER 9, HE BEGINS TO SAY THIS IN VERSE 1. HE SAYS, THEN VERILY THE FIRST COVENANT HAD AN ORDINANCE OF THE DIVINE SERVICE AND A WORLDLY SANCTUARY. FOR THERE WAS A TABERNACLE MADE, THE FIRST, WHEREIN WAS THE CANDLESTICK AND THE TABLE AND THE SHOWBREAD, WHICH IS CALLED THE SANCTUARY. WHAT HE'S DOING, HE'S GOING BACK. THIS BOOK WAS WRITTEN TO HEBREWS. IN OTHER WORDS, JEWISH PEOPLE WHO HAD LIVED UNDER THE LAW, AND THEY WERE WELL ACQUAINTED WITH THE OLD TESTAMENT LAW. AND IN THE OLD COVENANT, GOD GAVE THEM A TABERNACLE, AND it, HE TOLD MOSES, TO MAKE THIS TABERNACLE AFTER THE PATTERN THAT HE SAW WHEN HE WAS ON THE MOUNT. THIS IS TALKING ABOUT WHEN MOSES WENT UP INTO THE PRESENCE OF GOD. AND I DON'T KNOW IF HE SAW A VISION OR IF LITERALLY HEAVEN WAS OPENED AND HE SAW INTO HEAVEN. BUT IN HEAVEN, THERE IS A TEMPLE. AND THERE ARE ALL OF THESE DIFFERENT, um, 
you know, pieces of furniture in the temple. And Moses saw that, and God told him to make representations of all of the things that he saw when he was on the mountain. That's what this is referring to. So in verse 3, it says, And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Again, just real briefly, for those of you that aren't aware of this, the Old Testament tabernacle had a... Um, Let's say that this was the whole temple area right here, our tabernacle area. There was a large enclosure like this, but then inside of it, relatively small, there was a tent pitched, and this tent was divided into two parts. The outer part, the priests could go into every single day, and they had jobs that they had to perform. They had to put the showbread there. They had to light the candles. They had to put incense, which was the prayers of the saints, and they had to do all of these kind of things. But then there was a veil that separated this tent into two parts, and the inner portion, called the holiest of all, or the holy of holies, is where the um, Ark of the Covenant was and the... Uh, Ten Commandments that were in stone were put inside of there. And this is where God dwelt. And it says that God would meet with them on the mercy seat. And that's how He would communicate with them. But only one person could enter into that Holy of Holies, and that was the high priest who was typical of Jesus. And he could only do it once a year after he had done all of these special ritual cleansings. He had to put on special garments. He had to offer sacrifice for himself and also for the people. He had to bring a sacrifice in. And this isn't in Scripture, but the first century historian, Josephus, who was a Jew, and he wrote a history of the Jewish people for the Romans. He wrote in his writings that um, they actually tied a rope around the foot or the ankle of the high priest, and they let the rope... Uh, extend out into the holy place because if the high priest went into the holy of holies and if he hadn't done everything just right, God would strike him dead and they couldn't go in after him. He would just rot and it would be terrible. And so they put a rope around his ankle so that if he was struck dead, they could drag him out and bury him. Man, that was severe. Holy God was separated from unholy man, and only one person could go in once every year after they had done everything just perfect. So this is what all of this is describing. So let me go back to verse 3. It says, And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. Each one of these things is very significant. And again, the Jewish audience that the writer of Hebrews was writing to would have understood every single thing. The rod that budded is when Aaron, you know, some of the people came and said, we, don't, we reject Aaron as being the priest. We're all priests. We're all Levites. We should all have a access to God. And so God says, I'll show you who I chose. And so he had every single person bring their staff and Aaron brought his staff, and they laid them up before the Lord in the tabernacle. And overnight, Aaron's rod began to sprout and produce almonds. And it was a stick that had been cut off. It wasn't connected to anything. It was miraculous. And this was a way of showing that God chose Aaron and his line to be the priest. And all of the other people needed to accept that and take a, a secondary position to that. So every one of these things that it mentions right here is something that the Jewish people would have understood. They were articles in the temple. And then in verse 5, and it says, 
talking about the um, Ark of the Covenant, it says, Over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, this is really important. You know, I read this for many years and wondered, why can't you speak about the cherubs overshadowing the mercy seat? Every other piece of furniture, the uh, showbread, the table, the altar of incense, the candlesticks, every single thing in here, it has something that has now been fulfilled in the New Testament, and it was a beautiful picture of, you know, how we relate to God. But when it comes to these cherubims of glory overshadowing the mercy seat, he says, we can't talk about them now. And, you know, I read that for years, wondering about why can't we talk about them? What does this mean? And anyway, here's, I'll do this quickly, but here's what the Lord showed me about this, that cherubs, most people believe that these are angelic beings, little fat babies. You know, that's the way they're often depicted, little fat naked babies with wings and stuff. But you go back to the Garden of Eden in the third chapter of the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, God sent them out of the garden and He placed cherubs at the east end of the garden with a flaming sword that turned every different direction to protect the garden and to keep people from coming back in. Cherubs aren't fat little babies. They are mighty warrior angels. And in the tabernacle, in the tabernacle and then later the temple, the cherubs were over the mercy seat and they faced each other and their wings faced and touched each other. And the purpose of the cherubs was to protect the presence of God from having anybody or anything that was defiled coming in there. This is the reason that the high priest, if he didn't do everything just right, he would die. And they had to drag him out by a rope around his feet is because of the cherubs. They were there to keep any impurity, any sin from coming nigh God. And the reason we can't speak about them now is because the veil of the temple was rent in two, and there no longer is this separation between the holy of holies and the holy place. We now have access, and he's still talking about this same thing in the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, verse uh, 19 through 22, when he talks about that we can now enter boldly, having confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies by a new and living way that has been consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, through His flesh. Jesus, when He died, the veil of the temple was rent in two. No longer is there this separation between God and man. Through Jesus, we can enter boldly into the very presence of God, and there aren't cherubs there to stop us and to kill us if we don't do everything perfect. We have been made clean and we have been perfected through what Jesus has done. And that's the reason that we can't speak about these cherubs. You know, the reason I'm sharing all of this is to say this helps renew our mind. John chapter 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I've been sharing that it's not God that condemns us. God's not the one who told Adam he was naked. Adam's own conscience smote him. 
AND IT IS NOT GOD THAT IS CONDEMNING YOU AND TELLING YOU THAT YOU ARE UNWORTHY. IT'S YOUR OWN CONSCIENCE. YOU HAVE AN INTUITIVE KNOWLEDGE OF RIGHT AND WRONG, AND SAD TO SAY, THE RELIGIOUS LAW HAS AMPLIFIED THIS CONSCIENCE, AND THERE ARE MANY PEOPLE THAT ARE JUST LIVING WITH A CONSTANT FEELING OF UNWORTHINESS AND UNGODLINESS IN THE SIGHT OF GOD, AND IT TAKES AWAY THEIR CONFIDENCE, AND IT MAKES THEIR FAITH SHIPWRECKED. AND THEY CAN'T SERVE THE LIVING GOD BECAUSE THEIR CONSCIENCE HAS BEEN DEFILED. SO I'M SHARING THESE THINGS TO SHOW YOU THAT UNDER THE NEW COVENANT, WE NOW HAVE AN ACCESS TO GOD AND OUR CONSCIENCE SHOULD NOT BE CONDEMNING US. GOD HAS FORGIVEN ALL OF OUR SINS, PAST, PRESENT, AND EVEN FUTURE SINS. YOU KNOW, I'M TALKING AS FAST AS I CAN, AND I, I PROBABLY WON'T GET TO THIS ON TODAY'S PROGRAM, BUT RIGHT HERE IN THIS VERY CHAPTER, THE NINTH CHAPTER OF THE BOOK OF HEBREWS, I'M GOING TO SHOW YOU THAT EVEN YOUR FUTURE SINS HAVE BEEN FORGIVEN SO THAT YOU CAN ENTER BOLDLY INTO THE PRESENCE OF GOD WITHOUT FEAR OF GOD CONDEMNING YOU. GOD IS NOT THE ONE WHO IS TELLING YOU THAT YOU'RE NAKED. GOD'S NOT THE ONE WHO'S TELLING YOU THAT YOU'VE SINNED AND THAT YOU'VE COMMITTED ALL OF THESE THINGS AND THAT YOU SHOULD FEAR GOD AND RUN FROM GOD. HE'S THE ONE WHO HAS PAID FOR YOUR SINS. AND SO WE'RE GOING TO KEEP GOING THROUGH ALL OF THESE SCRIPTURES, BUT GOD IS NOT THE ONE WHO IS BRINGING THIS CONDEMNATION. THESE CHERUBS ARE GONE. IF YOU WERE TO, YOU KNOW, IF YOU COULD IMAGINE YOURSELF SOMEHOW OR ANOTHER WALKING INTO HEAVEN AND WALKING UP TO THE VERY TEMPLE OF GOD AND WALKING INTO THE HOLY OF HOLIES, AND IF AN ANGEL WAS TO STAND IN YOUR WAY AND SAY, WHAT MAKES YOU WORTHY? AND IF HE WAS TO TRY AND BLOCK YOU FROM GOING RIGHT TO THE VERY THRONE OF GOD, UNDER THIS NEW COVENANT, YOU COULD REBUKE THAT ANGEL. YOU COULD TELL HIM. IT DOESN'T MATTER IF AN ANGEL... YOU KNOW, PAUL SAID THIS IN GALATIANS CHAPTER 1. HE SAYS, IF AN ANGEL PREACHES ANY OTHER GOSPEL UNTO YOU THAN THAT WHICH I HAVE PREACHED, LET HIM BE ACCURSED. AND THEN HE REPEATED IT. I SAY AGAIN, IF ANYBODY, EVEN AN ANGEL TELLS YOU ANYTHING DIFFERENTLY, LET HIM BE ACCURSED. WE HAVE SUCH A GREAT ACCESS NOW TO GOD THROUGH JESUS THAT THESE CHERUBS DON'T EXIST FOR US ANYMORE. THERE AREN'T CHERUBS SHADOWING THE MERCY SEAT TODAY. THE MERCY SEAT IS NOW OPEN. THE VEIL IS RENT IN TWO, AND YOU AND I HAVE ACCESS TO GOD WITHOUT ANY FEAR OF REBUKE. YOU KNOW, I'M GOING TO COME BACK TO HEBREWS CHAPTER 9, BUT LET ME TURN OVER HERE TO ISAIAH CHAPTER 54. THIS IS RIGHT AFTER ISAIAH 53 THAT TALKED ABOUT JESUS BURYING OUR SINS, TAKING OUR uh, uh, SINS, OUR INIQUITIES UPON HIMSELF, BY HIS STRIPES WE'RE HEALED. CHAPTER 54, IT STARTS GIVING YOU ALL OF THESE BENEFITS OF WHAT JESUS HAD DONE. AND IN VERSE 9, ISAIAH 54, 9, FOR THIS IS AS THE WATERS OF NOAH UNTO ME, FOR AS I HAVE SWORN THAT THE WATERS OF NOAH SHOULD NO MORE GO OVER THE EARTH, SO HAVE I SWORN THAT I WOULD NOT BE WROTH WITH THEE, NOR REBUKE THEE. THIS IS PHENOMENAL. AGAIN, MOST CHRISTIANS, IF YOU WERE TO ASK THEM, HAS GOD EVER BEEN ANGRY AT YOU SINCE YOU'VE BEEN BORN? OH, YEAH, GOD GOT ON MY CASE. GOD TOLD ME I WAS DOING ALL THESE THINGS WRONG. I JUST FELT LIKE GOD WAS SO DISPLEASED WITH ME. GOD REBUKED ME. GOD TOLD ME THIS. THIS SAYS THAT BECAUSE OF THE NEW COVENANT, GOD WOULD NEVER BE ANGRY WITH YOU NOR REBUKED YOU. I'M TELLING YOU, WE ARE BLAMING GOD FOR THIS SENSE OF UNWORTHINESS AND GUILT AND SHAME WHEN THE TRUTH IS, HE SAID HE WOULD NEVER BE ANGRY WITH US NOR REBUKE US, AND THAT HIS COVENANT OF PEACE IN THE NEXT VERSE WOULD NEVER BE REMOVED FROM US. IT IS NOT GOD THAT IS CONDEMNING YOU. IT IS YOUR OWN CONSCIENCE AMPLIFIED BY THE LAW, FANNED. THE FLAMES ARE FANNED. 
by the devil and all of his condemnation. And if you could know the truth of what we're talking about, this truth would set you free. Man, that's awesome. I've got a lot more to share. I tell you, it's hard to do this in little 30-minute segments. But I will be sharing this again on our program tomorrow. I encourage you to tune in. And also, we've got this brand-new book entitled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? Man, this is powerful. It's a study in the conscience. I also have DVDs and CDs on this. If you'll listen, our announcer is going to give you information about how you can get this, these products. And I encourage you to please call or write Get these materials. They'll be a blessing to you. And join me again tomorrow as we continue the gospel truth. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the gospel truth. Andrew would like to extend a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible for us to broadcast this message consistently all around the world. Because of your contributions, we've been able to put free ministry materials into the hands of millions in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. Andrew's teaching titled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? is available in a four-part CD album or in a DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. You can also get this teaching in book form. The teaching highlighted in today's series is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at awmi.net. Our lives were turned right side up when we came to an Andrew Womack event back in 2006. Our daughter Hannah was just given two weeks to live, but at that conference she was prayed for and praise God she was miraculously healed and she's 100% well to this day. Since Hannah was healed, we found that there have been many people that have been healed at Andrew's events. It's not a question of will he heal you, he's already healed you. I mean, Andrew just gives it to you like it is. And every time I leave one of these conferences, I am changed for the better. Every single time there is a revelation that he shares with us that God has given him that I make sure I make it my own. When you attend a Gospel Truth Conference, you're going to be inspired by powerful praise and worship with Charlie and Jill LeBlanc and Andrew teaching the life-changing Word of God. There are prayer ministers there as well. Join Andrew and special guests at a Gospel Truth Conference near you. Go to awmi.net slash conferences for more information. The following video is an excerpt from our latest construction update where Andrew discusses the progress of the Phase 2 garage and gives us a tour of the new ministry headquarters. To see the full video, visit awmi.net slash construction update. We're in our brand new headquarters building. This is the third level. This is the main entrance. It's actually a four-story facility and we'll now head down to the lower level and that's where all of our television stuff and our production is. This is our television studio and as you can see behind me we are getting set up for our very first television shoot 
in this new studio tomorrow. I'll be making our Christmas programs that will be aired during uh, the Christmas time. So right on the other side of this is our product fulfillment. And this is the area of the ministry that has struggled the most. And I'll show you why right as we walk in there. Okay, so this is our product fulfillment area. And this is where we've had the most challenge because we were gonna put these racks all the way to the ceiling and the city has not allowed us to do that. We're trying to comply. We believe we will get it done. This is our product fulfillment staff. They are a blessing. These are the ones that put out all of your CDs, books, and uh, DVDs and everything. And man, y'all are a blessing. You reach millions and millions and millions of people. So now we are headed over to our new parking garage. And I think you are gonna be amazed to see the progress that has been made in the last month over there. Okay, so now we are back on our original 157 acre plot and behind me you can see our parking garage. So thank you for being a part. If you haven't yet been a part, we would encourage you to join with us and praise God together. We are gonna reach farther and deeper with the gospel than we ever have before.